Welcome to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We believe that every person has a unique message which can positively impact the world. Now, on this podcast, your host, veteran radio personality Jennifer Longworth, encourages entrepreneurs to share not only their expertise, but their stories and their hearts. You're going to love this show. You're going to hear real stories from real people on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. So let's go. Marketing had to change too, because now people were expecting a different conversation. Your ads, even if you were putting them in front of eyeballs, were completely ignored at that point. There had to be a change in how you were approaching people and then how you were actually interjecting yourself into that conversation. This is Jennifer Longworth, and today's Thoughtful Entrepreneur is Stephanie Lahart. Stephanie is the president and founder of Boomtown Marketing, a social media marketing agency that creates the conversations that turn into real-world customers for her clients. She has helped hundreds of B2C and B2B businesses launch their products and build their brands using social media advertising campaigns. She has worked with the lights of Luxury Magazine, The Rob Report, Nickelodeon's Kids Awards, and Disney Multimedia to bring their messaging to digital audiences. She recently launched the Traditional Talk podcast show with her best friend, Sharon Newt. The show explores the crossroads between traditional PR and new media digital marketing. With the friendship spanning over 20 years, they have a lot to talk about, but they keep it to marketing matters for the most part. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hi, Jennifer. It's so nice to talk to you. Yes, you're one of my guests who have actually met in person. So it's always nice to reconnect, you know, in this big wide world of social media, which is your expertise. It's fun to meet people in real life from time to time. It is. And sometimes it's so much more fun to meet them first and then develop the online friendship because I find that, you know, you meet people online and then you meet them in person and you're like, wow, you're so not what I thought you would be. (laughs) I'm pretty much an open book. I think I'm basically the same, but I could be wrong. Well, you know what people always say about me when they meet me? They're always like, I expected you to be a lot taller. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, they probably think you're going to be taller. Yeah, They do. And then they see this little Smurfette-sized person come in and they're like, I really expected you to be much larger. (laughs) I'm the opposite when I meet people. I'm like, wow, you're a lot taller than I thought you'd be. And maybe that's because I'm on the short end as well. Go, wow, you're like seven feet tall. I I just see your head. I don't know how tall you are. If all I see is your face, you know, same thing with us shorties. Like, ah, didn't know you'd be so short. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So thinking about social media, this is your world with your boomtown marketing. And you've been in marketing and such for quite a while. One of the pieces of advice I give high schoolers and college students these days is remember what you want to be when you grow up might not exist yet. That is so true. Yeah. And the podcast editing, that's what I do now. That didn't exist when I was in college. You know, maybe that's why college didn't work out because it didn't exist. So what's your background that got you to where you are now? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, when I was in college, this whole internet world didn't even exist. I mean, there was, there wasn't, it wasn't even social media at this point. I mean, the internet had not even existed, opened up to the public. Mm -hmm. So when I was in school, what my dream was, was that I was going to move to California, to Los Angeles, and work in the record industry in A&R. And A&R were the people that would be developing the new acts. 
I think it stood for artist and repertoire. I can't even remember now, but that was my dream. I was going to do that. And the way that I had gone about that was when I was in school with my love of communication and writing, I went for a degree in journalism, actually. And uh, the way my school did it, I was able to do a major in advertising. So my life has always had an advertising marketing slant to it. Mm -hmm. But I really, you know, my goal was I was going to be working in the record industry. I was going to be developing new acts, you know. And so I moved out to Los Angeles. And I, um, that's a funny story. That took me, I'll tell everybody the story, 3,000 miles and a hamster named Axel Rose. <laughs> Where are you coming from? I was coming from Philadelphia, actually. Okay. And uh, this, these were back in the early 90s in the days of the hair bands and the Sunset Strip was on fire. So <laughs> awesome. I watched MTV like all the other kids at that time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to move to L.A. Everything's happening. So, that, you know, that's what I did. I, I was obsessed with Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose in particular, so much that I actually named my hamster Axl Rose. So upon graduating from college, piled us all in the car drove 3,000 miles in my 1978 Mercury Zephyr and, you know, land on land in the land of La La Land and uh, work for a record company for about a month and quickly realized that it is not as much fun as I thought it was going to be. But I, I got a really interesting opportunity at that point. And that was actually to work for an ad rep company that was selling advertising space in some really interesting computer gaming magazines. Um, and there, some of them are still around. Like one was called Electronic Gaming Monthly and Computer Gaming World and PC World. All of those magazines that were at the forefront of the computer industry, that's who we were repping. And along comes this, this other magazine called Nuke that was suddenly going to be covering this thing called the internet. Okay. I had never, <laughs> I know I, it was 1995. I had never heard of the internet. I'm like, what is this? And as I like to tell everyone, I said, my boss went to Hawaii. I went online. Only one of us came back. Which one do you think? Because I swear it was like falling into the best rabbit hole ever. I'm like, this is amazing. And like you said earlier, it's like, this didn't exist as a career that you could, you know, take classes for or train for. And suddenly there was this internet and um, I started, I was a self-learner, one of those people back then teaching myself programming and HTML and what it meant to run a server and build computers. I mean, it was all the forefront kind of stuff. And I was in my niche. I mean, I was like, oh, this is it. Forget the record companies. This is where I want to be. And that's really how I got started in all. And then I spent many years actually being a web developer and a web designer. And that's where I started, you know, even getting interested in and noticing this whole world of online marketing, because it became great. You have a website, but now how do people find it? You know, and those were the days when the search engines were first being built. And it really became, you know, how do you get traffic to your website? So once I started seeing a lot of that happen, I was like, Ooh, I think marketing sounds like, you know, where I'd like to segue to which made sense since I had, you know, again, the degree in advertising. So that's really how I segued over simply because once the websites were built, the next question was, well, how do you get people to them? You know, even before the Google days, the Google machine took over. And then after all of that, the next step was like, great, you have a website, you're getting traffic, boom, there's this thing called social media. 
which then became like social media marketing. So it was a really natural progression with me because I just, the next thing that came along within the industry or the business that was helping to build the industry or helping people to build their services and businesses, those are the things that I keep being attracted to that I'm like, that's the next step for my customers. So that's where I take myself. So you started in the digital marketing basically as soon as it was a thing. How has social media changed this landscape? Well, see, social media changed it from the whole push mechanism where you're always just pushing messages out. You know, they followed the traditional radio and TV methods of we have an advertising campaign. We're just going to push it out to you and you're going to consume it or be aware of it or somehow, you know, be influenced by it in some way. But when social media came around, then it became this whole peer-to-peer thing. Now, social media allows you to talk to your friends and families and maybe even coworkers and interact with people on a grander scale. In fact, I always like to call it the greatest pen pal experiment ever because awesome. yeah because well, that was another thing when I was in grade school the big thing is you got a pen pal in another part yeah. of the world and um, I actually even had one that I wrote for two for over 10 years it was wow. it was a guy in England and we were really good friends and that's how you met people in other parts of the world right well then social media comes around and it's like well now you can meet anyone in any part of the world and have a conversation so marketing had to change too because now people were expecting a different conversation conversation, your ads, even if you were putting them in front of eyeballs, were completely ignored at that point. There had to be a change in how you were approaching people and then how you were actually interjecting yourself into that conversation, which is when social media marketing became such a big thing. And it's really, really changed in the last five years you know, for businesses, how they approach it and how they utilize it to really build their business. Now, social media marketing goes beyond just Facebook and Twitter because there's so many things out there that can be social. You have Yelp. Now you people can go on and tell what they really feel about a place instead of just, oh, look, it's a pretty picture of food. I think I'll go eat there. Well, <laughs> check your Yelp reviews and Amazon too. So it's it's not, you know, it's almost a conversation. So I'm going to go buy something on Amazon. Well, I have a question about it. Let me post this question. Oh, look, someone wrote me back. And now I know if I really want to buy the product or not. So Beyond Facebook and Twitter, there's a lot of social media happening. That's entirely true. Yeah, you hit right on it that every component now of our online interactions has a social you know, contraption to a social outlet to it. Because you're right, there's always an area where you can make comments, you can do reviews, you can talk to other people that have maybe utilized that product or had an experience with it. So yeah, essentially everything's become social media. When social media started, people poo-pooed it a little like, oh, people are just going and having these nonsensical generic conversations and they don't mean anything. And even in the beginning, that wasn't true because no conversation is pointless. Even just a general interaction of like, hi, how are you? In society, that has a very definite you know, place and reason why that happens. And so with social media, the same thing. Every conversation has a purpose. It is a start. It has a middle. It has an end. It has a purpose in there. And as a business, you have to figure out what that means in your industry and when you're communicating to your clients. Because as you said, you can go on Yelp. You can go on Amazon. You can have reviews. There's, there's a social aspect to everything. And you'll notice on the few platforms that you see, if they don't have a social aspect on it where you can actually interact on some point, they are the platforms where people really seem to kind of ignore because they now they expect to be able to have this interaction. Right. 
And recently, a, a customer service issue came up with something I'm involved in, and the product was defective. And I wrote the company was like, hey, before I blast you and on social media and the internet, what are you going to do to fix this? And they were very prompt to respond. And <laughs> like, okay, because they know that makes a difference. Oh, this because we screwed up this order, this person's going to go out and say stuff everywhere she can possible. We better make it right. And they did very promptly. And so it was a little bit of leverage from the consumer perspective being the social. Now, do you find that the, especially with algorithms changing all the time with Facebook, not wanting to show ads or now they do show ads, but only to certain people, does the marketing get lost in the personal communications? Uh, it doesn't get lost at all. I've it's just it changes in the way that it's actually presented and the way that people uh, actually receive the message. So I don't feel like the marketing's lost. I feel like it's become more of a natural conversation. So you're not just being shown random ads of things that have nothing to do with you and your life. Like some people get very creeped out, like your browser knows everything. They're tracking you. Yes. And for me, it is creepy. Um, well, I mean, you can say it's creepy, but here's the thing too. Once all information was digitized, everything from your driver's license to your birth records to things like that, this illusion of privacy is an illusion. You know, so you right. can sit there and be like, I don't want people to know anything about me. But unless you're living in the woods, totally off the grid, never using a credit card, never going to school, never having a social security number, you there is data about you and you are being tracked in some way. So I think it's naive to look at that and say, well, they're getting too much information on us and marketers are using it for nefarious purposes. And me as a marketer, I don't see it that way. I see it as now what they're able to do is actually provide information and services that are pertinent to me and my life. So I have a deep interest in hiking and camping. If I am now being served ads that have something to do with that, I'm happy about that because that's something I'm interested in. You turn on the TV, like just daytime television, you're going to see a slew of ads that have nothing to do with you and your life. And you know what? You're going to totally zone out on them. Unless you're diabetic and need a new pillow. Well, exactly. And and that's what they've kind of, you know, <laughs> they've kind of identified, well, these are the kind of people they think are watching TV. Not necessarily true. There are many entrepreneurs, which we'll talk about in a minute, who just leave maybe TV on in the background and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. really a missed opportunity. But that's, again, another what we would call like the traditional advertising or marketing still trying to find its way in the world and, you know, trying to see, well, are, are we still going to be able to reach people that need our services or products? And, and you look at how things work online and you're like, whoa, I can get people immediately who want my service and product just by buying an ad, like you said, on Facebook or Google or mm -hmm. any of the social networks. It's like, that's where my money's going at this point as a marketer, as a business. What role does traditional advertising and PR and such, how does that all fit in now? Is there still use for it? There is because there's still a lot of awareness that you can bring. See, when you have those campaigns, they are now awareness campaigns. They are not direct sale campaigns. You know, they're not motivating somebody to click now and buy. So it does have its place in that, you know, it does actually bring the awareness. And there are certain platforms and certain time slides. Like, of course, primetime television still gets a lot of views and things like that. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's dead or anything. But I do think brands in general have to be savvy that, you know, if they have those plans in place, that they do still have to have an online component in order to actually push the sale to make that happen. Because you're, we're still not buying from our TV. It's amazing to me. In fact, I worked <laughs> at a company 10 years ago and there was a guy in our office. He had developed this, his own software where he was trying, we were doing one of the first internet shows and he was trying to actually get advertisers in 
invested in our, you know, our broadcast and saying, look, people could then shop and buy. And I'm still amazed that we're not at that level now where it's so much easier to shop and buy on TV. That's crazy to me. Especially with smart TVs, you think yeah. the technology would merge together. Ooh, I want that. Click. Now I'm on Amazon buying it. Yeah. And you don't see the seamlessness that you would think would be there at this point. It's like even if even if you're on watching something online, there's still not a seamless shopability, I'll call it, like you would think we would be at this point. And I think that's something that we're going to see developed more in the next couple of years. But the other thing is, too, that, you know, we also have the problem of competition where everybody comes up with a a similar idea and then develops all these different ways to do it and none of them work together. So we end up with all the different Apple TVs and the Fire Sticks and the Google Cast and all this and, and nothing's compatible. So then, you know, you end up with the VCR Betamax at war all over again. It's it just never ends. Who's going to win, right? VHS totally won. Yeah, totally won. I mean, who has a Betamax? No. I don't even think I knew anybody with a Betamax. I had a Betamax when I was in grade school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you watch Home Shopping Network back in the day, it was always this is available in VHS and Betamax. Like, okay. yes, exactly. That's but that's what I'm saying. It's like sometimes just that ability to have so many different people develop different systems is almost a hindrance because when you don't ever establish any protocol, it makes it harder for the consumer's journey. So that's why I think we've seen that that hold up in that shopability of anything really like the flawlessness that it, there should be. Like for me, if I'm watching a show online and I see an outfit that the character's wearing, I'm shocked that I can't buy that easier by clicking on that screen. That's just, that's me as my, uh, my marketing uh, projection and with wish list that I want that to happen. So is, are you thinking this is where things are headed or is it just a, a wish list? Oh, no, I think that's the way things are, are heading. You've seen some of the, the programs and, and businesses starting to develop that, but that's the way it's going to be heading for sure. I mean, and look at it, you can see it on the social media networks. When Pinterest was first developed, there was no way to even add a link. Now Pinterest is totally shoppable. Anything you see on there, you can direct link to shop it. And Instagram, believe it or not, took them a long time to roll that out. They've only rolled that out in the last two years. It's still not something that's available to every single brand. And that's another thing I find shocking that they wouldn't open that up across the board, even to smaller brands and products. Like, why would you hold that back? Because if I had a business and I had a product, then I wanted to sell through Instagram and, you know, I wasn't like a gigantic chain or gigantic brand and you make that available to me, I'm going to use Instagram even more as that, you know, business. And I think Instagram and these different social media services are shooting themselves in the foot a little bit by really holding back the goodies, we'll call them, from the smaller entrepreneurs and businesses. I can tell you have a little bit of passion uh, when it comes to this topic there, Stephanie. Uh, You know what it is? I'm not a huge shopper. Like I'm not one of those people that runs out and has to get the newest of everything. Um, I just love to watch human behavior. I'm just, I study and people ask me all the time, what marketing books do you read? Or what do you, what do you listen to? I'm like, actually what I do is I read books about the brain, about how the brain works, about how we think, how memory works and things like that. And I follow that. And it's fascinating to me to see that then parlayed into how we interact online and how the marketing experience goes, because there is, the science to it, you know? And and like, you know, like I said, I'm not a huge shopper myself, but I love to see how this is developed and then how people do take it to that next level or how they utilize something maybe in a way that we weren't watching, you know? So 
it's funny because I mean, if you ever see me in an actual store, it's shocking because I just I don't even go to stores anymore. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> yeah, well, and also it's like I find if I walk into any store, I'll buy stuff that I don't need because it's yep. in front of you. And yep. where I'm, I'm much less likely if I need one specific thing and I'm going to buy it online, I buy that one specific thing. So I, I feel like I've saved money since this all started. Until Amazon says, well, if you add two more items to your cart, dot, dot, dot. Like, yeah, okay. They are. They are <laughs> I, I've noticed that they started that and with their whole pantry thing and all. So, you know, again, it's them just trying to fulfill clients' needs and also, um, you know, boost their bottom line, which I respect. Now, you joined forces with one of your longtime friends to form the Tradigital Talk Show. So what is this Tradigital Talk Show podcast all about? What, what are we doing here? I mean, traditional, tradigital. Okay, I get the you know correlation of the name here, but what's your topic? What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. Okay. So speaking of traditional, so, you know, I'm in the digital marketing realm. That's my whole world. My very best friend in the world, Miss Sharon Newt, is a traditional PR person. That has been her business for years. That's what she does. She works in a lot of B2B. So it's business to business and very high end stuff. And they still do a lot of the traditional PR tactics and uh, programs and the way that they've done things. In fact, Believe it or not, she's one of the few people that I know that doesn't even have her own Facebook page. What? What? I know. How's this a thing? She's really traditional then. <laughs> she's so traditional. And she doesn't discount what's going on online, but it's just not something she's real interested in, nor is it something that her business really depends on, except in those instance, instances where she would have social media questions. She kept coming to me with certain questions. And then our conversations, I would ask her about traditional PR stuff and marketing. And we started having these very interesting conversations. So as I met you and got more involved in like the podcasting world and decided, well, I'd really like to do my own podcast. Like, where do I fit into the space? I thought about the conversations I was having with Sharon and I said, Ooh, this would be fascinating for people because there are so many people that do not know the traditional methods that are still in, you know, being utilized and how they are now actually partnering with digital. Like this is a conversation that people would be interested in. So that's where Tradigital came from. Hey, makes sense to me. So what are you hoping people get out of this just to understand how the two worlds collide or work together or what? Yeah, not only understand, but also to make the available to them these other marketing techniques and um, avenues that they weren't even aware of because digital's very shiny and it's very exciting and people get sucked into that. It's like, oh, there's a new social media app. Got to jump on that. Oh, this is going up. Oh, and, and everybody gets so sucked into that shiny that they they negate what has worked for years and maybe what's even going to work better for your business. So something you and I talked about earlier was the fact that, you know, well, how does traditional advertising work into all this? Well, you know, the awareness campaigns that are out there, building your authority and things like that, um, you know all about that since working with with Josh and people like that, you know, that a lot of traditional PR really still helps your business in that way. But it's not taught in the same way that it used to be. And it's not utilized in the same way. So it's not about, well, you hire just one gigantic PR firm and they do everything. There is a lot of DIY stuff you can do yourself. And as long as you understand how it works, you know, that's where our podcast is really going to be beneficial to people. 
they're suddenly going to be like, oh, I didn't know that I could do that myself. I thought that you had to hire somebody to do that, you know, hire somebody to do a press release or hire somebody to do that outreach of an influencer. And so our conversations are really showing entrepreneurs and businesses that, no, this is something that you can also do yourself and for a better budget. Yeah, because when some PR firms go, oh, little small business, sole entrepreneur over here, I can't afford that. What? Right. What am I doing? I j- I'm listening to your show, going, oh, I can do this myself, or can I? Dun dun dun. Then you could. I mean, I guess I see the potential of taking on too much and losing your focus. So, I mean, are sure. there ways to DIY without doing it on your own, or budget friendly ways to do it, or just listen to your show to learn more? Well, definitely listen to our show to learn more. We have quite a few episodes up, so you should have a lot to to tide you over and, and get you, you know, the information that you need. But also, as with anything, you know, my advice to entrepreneurs and, and small businesses is always don't feel like you have to do everything at once. In fact, when I take on a new social media client, my rule is only is always you can only touch two social media platforms. And we have to fully develop those before we go anywhere else. What you mean? I can't be a Snaptogram, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and I, I laugh when I meet people that uh, are starting out. They're like, "Oh, I'm everywhere. Oh, I'm I'm on this and I'm on that." And I'm like, "Yeah, but are you? Is anything actually helping to move your business forward? Or are you literally spending ten hours a day just you know kind of feeding your ego more than actually feeding your bank account?" And I see that all the time because they don't really know which one to use for their business what's going to be appropriate to help them. Um, And that's something that we also cover on the show. But, you know, it's just a matter of like, you know what, pick one thing, really develop that, and then go into the other ways, you know, that you can. Because you don't have to use everything at once. If your business is something that's really going to work well on Instagram, then focus on Instagram. Don't feel like, oh, well, now, you know, uh, Facebook is doing this, so I got to do this as well. Well, maybe your people really are just on Instagram, so stay there. But that you find all that out through a lot of trial and error too. So if you're not real sure in the beginning, putting some feelers out or watching what competition is doing and see where they're getting results, do that. And always make sure that you're picking a brand or a business that's in alignment or on the level you are. So don't look at what a gigantic brand like Nike's doing and feeling like, well, they're doing it. And I have an athletic company, so I'm going to do everything they do. Well, you don't have a million dollar marketing team at your disposal. So you're not going to be able to do that. So you've given us so much to think about. Do you have any other advice for the thoughtful entrepreneur who's listening? Definitely take it in small bites. Don't feel like you have to do everything at once because what's going to happen is you're going to get into what we call the compare and despair cycle. You're trying to do something and you're spread so thin that you're not fully developing all of the avenues that you need to for that one funnel. And then you look at what other businesses or entrepreneurs are doing and then you feel like you're failing. So if you compare yourself to other people or other businesses on that level, you're always going to feel like you're coming up short because you don't know what it took for them to get to that level. You think you do. You're like, oh no, they're doing the same exact thing as me. They're at the same level, but you really don't know. So if you compare yourself, I think, I think that's my big takeaway for people. Don't compare yourself. You can kind of see, you know, watch what they're doing, see how they're doing it, but don't sit there and, and sit back then and be like, well, I have failed because I'm not doing it exactly like that, or I'm not having the same results as them. Because you will, I mean, we all naturally will start feeling, well, then what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? And then you internalize that. And, you know, if the ego starts getting itself involved, that's really dangerous for the entrepreneur because that's when we start to self-sabotage ourselves. 
So Stephanie, if people want to reach out and connect with you online, since obviously you know what you're doing online, how can we find you? What's the best way to find out what you have going on? Awesome. So the best portal for everything I'm doing is through boomtownmarketing.com. That's my main business site. Uh, All of my links for my social are on there. You can see uh, my podcast is listed on there, my YouTube channel, everything. So that's really my main hub. If you just go boom as in boom, big boom, townmarketing.com, you can find me everywhere. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Stephanie. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate talking to you. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. If you are a thoughtful entrepreneur who would like to be a media celebrity and be on our show, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest and attend my next live webinar where I'll reveal how to get more respect from influencers and media so that you can get more sales and traffic. Now, please do us a favor. If you like the guest that was just interviewed, would you share this episode on social media and in your podcast player right now? Please give us a thumbs up or a rate and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill our mission to help create more media celebrities. Make sure to hit subscribe, binge listen to our previous episodes, and we'll send you the next episode automatically. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Revolution.